Well, good morning. It's been a good day. For those that, uh, that might not know me, we got a lot of, a lot of guests today. Uh, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Scott Whalen. I serve as the Assistant District Superintendent for the Chicago Central District. And uh, my family and I, we call uh, K-1 our church home. And, uh, and so I've been, I've been preaching for a long time, it seems like now. Uh, but I've uh, been filling in for Pastor Andrew over these past few months as he's been on medical leave uh, after surgery uh, from brain cancer. And uh, we continue to pray for him. And uh, I- I'm sure I can speak for him and, uh, and just say welcome. We're so glad that you're here today and you've chosen to worship, uh, worship with us. Uh, we're getting close to the end of our series on the greatest commandment. We've been talking about what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And also to love your neighbor as yourself. Over these last few weeks, we've been talking a lot about the internal Uh, We've been talking about our affections, our desires, our commitment, our sacrifice, surrender. And uh, today is where we shift to the external. Now, for all the doers out there, you're like, finally, you know, because all we've been talking about is all this inside work, but I never get to actually do anything with it. And but but we kind of need that first. We have to be able to realize that we have to give our heart to God. We have to realize that we have to surrender our souls to him, the eternal aspect of who we are. We have to give our minds to him and start thinking and seeing the world like Jesus does. Because if we jump to loving the Lord with all our strength and doing things on our own strength before we get those other things right, then we're going to do things based on what we know. We're going to do things based on our own strength. We might do them with our own motives and not his motives. And we might even do some harm to some people along the way. So uh, remember that above all, God wants you. He wants you heart, soul, and mind. Your affections, your desires, your thoughts. And when he has all of that, it's at that point that he can use you. But this doesn't work as an assembly line. Uh, We talked last week that it takes an inward work of the Holy Spirit to recreate us into the image of God. The Imago Dei, that we've got to take that on before we can do the work that he wants us to do. Uh, God doesn't make cookie-cutter Christians. Aren't you thankful for that? Uh, Not everybody needs to be like me, right? We don't need more of me running around. Uh, We don't need more of you running around either, okay? So maybe Joy Long. We could all use a little more Joy Long. If we had that, the world would just be interesting, joyful. Ah, I should have used joyful instead of interesting. I'm going to pay for that one. Uh, None of us are the same. Um, Sometimes we might look alike. Have you ever heard of like a doppelganger, a celebrity doppelganger? I've got one up here for you. You got, you know, George Clooney and Clark Gable. They kind of look alike. They're not the same person. Uh, After a while, if you've had a pet for a long time, you might even start to look like uh, your pet, you know, like this guy. Uh, But they're definitely not the same person. Uh, We might even act alike. I've got a picture up here of uh, my son, Jacoby. And uh, he was one year old at this point. And uh, I was working on a project. We're we're standing in a church bathroom while somebody is uh, laying down some floor tile. Because you needed to know that. That's vital. And, uh, And he walked in next to me. And he saw that I was standing with my hand on my hip and my my foot crossed over my leg. And uh, he's got his little uh, uh, cup there of goldfish crackers. He's pounding those down. And he walks in and he looks up at me and he, he puts his hand on his hip. And then he spends some time trying to figure out how to get his, his foot like me. 
And then once he had it, we were supervising together, you know? Because <laughs> it definitely took the two of us to make sure that that tile got laid. Uh, we might look alike, we might act alike, but none of us is identical. And this is something that needs to be celebrated. It's something we need to capitalize on. We shouldn't try to change people to be like us. We should help each other in developing who God has created each of us to be. So that's today. How has God wired you? What gifts has he given you? How can you live out a life of unique service for him based on the giftedness that he's instilled in you? So our scripture passage today comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's pray and then we'll take a look at that. Father, we thank you for, uh, for this day. We thank you for your spirit that has so evidently been in our service. We thank you that you've been meeting with us throughout the week, that you've been preparing our hearts uh, for what's to come today. I believe the prayers that have been prayed through this week have set us up for this time that we have here. And so nobody's here by accident. Uh, we believe that you have something that you want to say to every single one of our hearts. And so we want to make ourselves available to you. Um, you know, I can't do that. I want to make myself available to you. It's my prayer that every person here wants to make themselves available to you as well. Because you're not going to pound down the door of our hearts. You want us to surrender to you. You want us to submit to you. And so I pray today that that's the posture that we come with, that we come with a submitted, surrendered heart that allows you to speak into it. It's in your name we ask it. Amen. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Uh, have you ever uh, tried something just to see if you're good at it? It's kind of a normal thing to do, right? You want to give something a shot. I found early on in my ministry that I could, uh, I had a choice. I could stay in my box. Remember how I talked about that a couple weeks ago? I like my box. I don't like to go outside of my box. Uh, I, I like to do things that are comfortable for me to do. But uh, if I would be willing to go outside of my box, I might... Uh, take on some new opportunities that I've never, uh, never tried before. My, my horizons might be expanded. And so I made it a goal of mine when I started in ministry that if somebody asked me to do something with them, I would say yes. Might be an opportunity for me to learn something. Might be an opportunity for me to build a relationship. It's, uh, it's pretty terrifying for me uh, every time, uh, but it's good for me to do it. So uh, the person that wrote this passage of scripture, Paul, he writes somewhere else, I become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Uh, I become all things to all people 
so that some might know for the sake of the gospel. And so uh, here's some of the things that I've, I've done. Um, played softball, uh, volleyball, basketball. Uh, I went running. I did that for a season. Lifting weights. That was a fun one. Uh, outdoors kind of stuff. Uh, my idea of roughing it is a super eight. So that was, uh, that was not uh, a good time for me. Um, but inside that outdoor stuff, uh, shooting guns. When I... Um, when we went to Sterling, uh, it was in northwestern Illinois, and we were coming from northwest Indiana, almost on the south side of Chicago. We got invited to uh, somebody's house for a 4th of July party, three days in. And uh, they said, come at, uh, if you want to come at 4 o'clock, we'll eat then, but if you come at 2, we'll, uh, we'll be shooting. <laughs> Context, please. You know, like, shooting up drugs? Are we, what are we doing? You know, I don't know what kind of church we've moved into here. And you knew right when you pulled in exactly what it was. They're shooting guns. And so, uh, and so I go around back, and I can't be the guy that doesn't do the thing that everybody's doing here, you know. And so they hand me a double-barreled shotgun, and they're shooting clay pigeons. I got this, right? I've seen it in cartoons. And so I take the gun, and, uh, and, and I do what I've seen. Pull, you know, I don't know. <laughs> And so they pull, and it goes up in the air, and I followed it, and I nailed it on my first shot. Wow. Did not expect applause. <laughs> what I did not know is that you never point a gun at somebody when there's another round in the chamber. You really should never point a gun at somebody at any time. But I was so excited that I spun around with the gun, and I was like, guys, I got it. And everybody hit the deck except for one guy who was an 80-year-old man in the church that was a certified Abraham Lincoln impersonator. <laughs> and he's just staring at me. It just felt weird, you know, pointing a gun at Abe Lincoln. It was almost the shortest pastorate ever in the history of the church, but it all, it all panned out. Uh, you know, I've done fishing, I've done hunting, uh, I love smoking meat. Uh, haven't pulled the trigger on camping yet, haven't done that one. Uh, Carpentry, carpentry, construction, painting. Uh, I got one more picture for you. I went sailing this week. Yep, there we go. I put on the captain's hat. That's, that's me and Lauren Seaman hanging out on Lake Michigan in Chicago. Uh, I don't know that I'll do that again, you know? All of that to say, some have stuck, some haven't. Uh, I've done my best to never tell someone no. I don't want to miss out on that relationship. I don't want to miss out on discovering a unique way that God has designed me and equipped me that I've never uncovered before. So once I've found a way that I'm gifted, I want to get better. It makes sense. We search out how we're wired. We're good at it. We pour ourselves into those things so we can be better. And the same is true with our spiritual giftedness. You can take the sailor picture off the screen. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, the same is true for our spiritual giftedness. We search for who God has created us to be. And as he reveals that to us, we go deeper and we grow stronger in that area so that we can be more effective in our pursuit of him, of the gospel, and helping others to find him. Uh, we don't all have the same gifts. Uh, when I was in, in college back in aught four, I took a class uh, called Church and Christian Living with uh, Professor David Wine. And in that class, we did a spiritual gifts inventory and uh, it had like 22 different spiritual gifts that you could find and uh, you had to answer all the questions at the end of it. You highlighted your top four gifts. And I remember doing those 
And, uh, and usually, like, the top three, I was like, yeah, I get that. Those, those make sense to me. But there would be one that would jump out like, huh, I've never thought about that one before. And so that would send me on a pursuit to see if there's something that God is doing in my life that he wants to uncover so that I might be able to do something else for him uh, and be used by him. In searching out our spiritual giftedness, we let God reveal to us the things that he's doing in us that we can't see that are for his greater good. So if you've never taken the time to search out your spiritual gifts, I want to encourage you to do that. There's some great uh, tools available. Uh, contact the church office. They don't have much to do right now. You know, it's a pretty slow season for them. Right, Cindy? <laughs> Daggers. Uh, it's good for us to do that. It's good for us to know how we're wired. So discover your spiritual gift giftedness. Ask for God's guidance in the process. When he's faithful to reveal our gifts, we need to use those gifts for him. So are you wise? Give counsel as the Holy Spirit leads. Um, are you knowledgeable? Learn all you can so that you can be a resource. Do you have incredible faith? Be an encouragement to somebody. The first step is to discover who God has created you to be. And once you've determined that, embrace it because each of us is needed. And so we'll continue on now in verse 15. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is, uh, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So two things in this passage. We have to come to terms with our gifts, and we cannot discount other people's giftedness. Uh, coming to terms with our gifts uh, makes me think of an incredible movie. Uh, might have won an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay. Uh, incredible cinematography. You laugh, you cry every time. Of course, I'm talking about the one, the only, Tinkerbell. Yep. When you grow up with daughters, man, you, you, you do it. Uh, I love, I love uh, Tinkerbell. I love the movie. Uh, now, I'm going to guess that you all have seen it. Uh, but if you haven't, let me give you a brief plot synopsis of what happens in Tinkerbell. Uh, when, uh, when a fairy is born uh, at the laugh of uh, a baby's first laugh, everybody knows that too, uh, that uh, they end up in this little place and they have to determine what kind of fairy they're going to be. And, uh, and there's all these options that are around. They've got water fairies and animal fairies and light fairies and, uh, and whatever else. And, and so uh, Tinkerbell ends up in this place and there's these symbols around and she has to go around and figure out which one is her. And so she, uh, she walks up to one and 
uh, in it's the, the animal fairy, and the symbol just kind of disappears. So that's not her. So she walks over to, to where the water droplet is for the water fairies, and she goes to grab that, and the water droplet bursts. And she keeps going around to all of these different types of symbols, and, uh, and they all keep disappearing. And then there's one, and there's a hammer. And uh, she just kind of bypasses that one. Like, there's no way that one could be me. And so she starts to walk by it, but then, ah, the hammer starts to glow. And so she has to take a step back, and it glows even brighter. And she goes, and she grabs the hammer, and she's found out the talent that she's been given. That she is to be a tinker fairy, hence the name Tinkerbell. All right? That's where, you got some people nodding along. You're like, yeah. <laughs> you just blew my mind. I did not know that that's how that came to be. Um, she meets some of the other tinkers and realizes quickly that this is not who she wants to be. This isn't the crowd that she wants to hang around with. And so, um, and so she decides that she's going to try to take on somebody else's talent. And so she works with all the different fairies to try to figure out, well, could I be this? Could I be this? Could I be this? All along the way, she just keeps messing things up. Spoiler alert, by the end of the movie, she comes to terms with, uh, with who she is as a tinker fairy, uses those skills to save the day. Um, we can spend our whole lives trying to be something that we're not trying to do things that we're not gifted to do, get very frustrated in the, in the process and cause problems along the way. However, if we realize that God has gifted each of us in unique ways, and if we can do those things really, really well, the body of Christ will be built up. We also have a challenge to remember that we're all part of one body. Um, I graduated from Olivet, big fan of ONU. Good to see the marching band in the, in the cheerleading squad here today. Uh, two things I'm excited about. The cheerleading squad said they would uh, do a basket toss for me in the middle of the service. And now they're saying no. Oh, he, he moved. He was ready to go. I'm also excited. Is it Matt? Is that right? Are you the band director? So we live right across the street from Ward Field. Uh, it's good to put a face with a voice because we always hear the marching band practice from our house. So awesome. This is a good day for me. Um, so I met my wife there, got a great education, made lifelong friends, a wonderful place to be. But it takes a lot to make Olivet run well. They need administrators to make decisions about the overall vision and direction of the university. But then they also need a faculty to teach the students in their respective areas of giftedness. They need a staff to manage the office and all the day-to-day -day operations. And one department that's near and dear to my heart is the physical plant. That's where you're going to find the electricians, the plumbers, the carpenters. Uh, they, they are the ground team, protecting the first impression, you know? That's where I spent some summers, and, uh, and that's where I spent some time while I was in college. Both my parents work at Olivet. My mom is the secretary in the Weber Center, and, uh, and my dad is the head plumber at Olivet. Uh, some could say that Dr. Bowling is uh, the most important person uh, on campus, and you can make a great argument for that. Uh, very well-educated, great speaker, an influencer, incredible visionary leader. Olivet wouldn't be where it's at today without John Bowling, right? But what if all we had was a bunch of John Bowlings? It's not a horrible world to imagine. <laughs> a lot of good could come from that. But if the only role that was valued at Olivet was visionary leadership, where's the implementation? You need the faculty. And if they're going to teach, you need some people behind the scenes that are going to resource them to do the work that they need to do. Some could look down on my dad for being uh, a plumber. But, uh, 
Water main breaks at two o'clock in the morning. Any of you students ever have your water heater go out? You're a fan of my dad if your water heater goes out, you know. Uh, where would Olivet be without the eternal flame that stands at the front of the campus that was designed and built by James Patrick Whalen, my dad, you know. Uh, every person is necessary and integral in the running of a university. Same is true for your National League Central Division champion, Chicago Cubs. Uh, they've got a, uh, an organization set up where Theo and Jed, they put the whole team together, but then they, deter they, they let Joe Madden make all the managerial decisions. You've got a bunch of players that execute uh, the vision that they have, but they all have roles, infielders, outfielders, relief pitchers, starting pitchers, utility players, but never forget the grounds crew. One bad hop can change a day, right? Carol, you're nodding your head, you know, that's right. So uh, every skill is necessary. The same is true in the body of Christ. So where do you fit? What's your body part? That could be fun, right? Whether you're a teacher, a board member, a prayer warrior, a construction person, a painter, a card writer, a home visitor, usher, greeter, every role is vital in the church. But maybe most importantly, remember that we need each other. We need every gift and never look down on somebody. Because someone doesn't do something the, way, uh, the same way that you would do it, or even at the same level as you would do it, doesn't mean they don't care. Doesn't mean they don't love the church. Doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. This is, uh, we're gonna go with step on toes time here, okay? Uh, I keep having people tell me, you know, oh, great messages, so encouraging. I'm doing something wrong. The gospel is supposed to be offensive. I want to be offensive too, you know? <laughs> so let's, let's ratchet it up a notch, okay? Uh, think about our scripture passage that we've been going through. Heart. Some people are naturally heart people. You gravitate toward compassion. You, you gravitate toward loving somebody. You could sit down and have a four-hour conversation with somebody because you have empathy and sympathy for where that person is at. But it, if, I don't, if I don't sign up to be a chaplain, or if I don't sign up to be a part of Dare to Care, that doesn't mean that I have no heart or that I don't love people. Think about soul. There's some people that are naturally soul people. They pour themselves into prayer. They seek after God's best in their own lives and in the life of the church. They want everything that he wants. And we'd all agree that that's vital, that prayer is needed both individually and corporately. But if I don't show up every time that the doors are open for a prayer meeting, it doesn't mean that I don't care about prayer. Some people are naturally mind people. You love knowledge. You love to learn. You're a sponge. Any opportunity you can take uh, to learn something new, you do that. But if I'm not a theologian, that doesn't mean I don't care about biblical doctrine. And the same is true with our, with our strength. Some people are naturally doers. They want to do the projects. They Give me something to do. Uh, busy hands are happy hands. Like, let me do something. But if Sean has a work day and not everybody shows up for that, it doesn't mean they don't love Sean. It doesn't mean they don't care about the facilities. Don't take it personally, man. We're working on it. Now, the disclaimer there, as, as believers, we're called uh, to go and make disciples. We're called to pray. We're called to share our faith. We're called to invest in, uh, in others. We're called to a faith that leads to good works. And so we can't say, well, that's not my gift, so I don't have to do that thing. 
As part of the body, some things we do just because. We sacrifice because we're a part of a family and we're a part of a body, and we say, okay, I'll jump in. Where we run into issues is when we start to feel like that what I am doing and what I am passionate about is the most important thing in the church. And anyone that doesn't do it the same way that I do it, that's wrong. That way of thinking does not lead to a unified body. That leads to a fractured body. I don't want everyone to be passionate about the same things that I am. In my work, if everybody was as passionate about the polity of the church as I am, it'd be a really sad world. But the church needs me. The church needs somebody that's looking at policy. They need somebody that's uh, looking at structure, to analyze, to structure, to plan, to guide. And the church needs you, too. The church needs you to draw close to Jesus and step out and do the things that he's calling you to do. Everyone doing their part. God desires unity in the body that he's building. So a few ways you can do that. Judge less and love more. Choose to be upset less and give more grace. Choose to be frustrated less and show more patience. Trust each other. Look for the best. Don't always assume the worst. You can make a conscious choice in each of those places. And you're going to choose one way or the other. Choose the right thing. Those things will unite the body of Christ. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all apostles, second prophets, third teacher, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. I love that first verse. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. We're a team, and we are better together. When we work as a team, each one doing what we're called to do, we function as one. So be a team player. Find your giftedness. Do it well. Don't look down on one another, but build each other up. That's how we're going to make an impact for the kingdom as the King First Church of the Nazarene. So as we close today, I want you just to reflect. Um, as you reflect and discover how God has gifted you and made you unique, Ask this question, how can I take the way God has gifted me and called me to be used by him for the glorification of this kingdom? How can God use me to move forward what he wants to do? Some of us feel like there's no way God could use somebody like me. Maybe you feel like the skill set that you have doesn't have a purpose. It doesn't have a place. God has created you uniquely. And so if you're struggling with, I don't know what that looks like, come talk to us. Talk to Pastor Cindy. Talk to somebody on the staff because you are valuable. And we want to make sure that you have a place. And whatever I do, word or deed, how can I work as though I'm, I'm doing it for the Lord? This changes our conversation. This changes our attitudes. It changes our perspectives and our viewpoints. 
we recognize to love the Lord with all our strength is to lean into the way he has created us and give everything we have to serve him in that way. And good news, you don't have to be everybody. Some of you try to be everybody. Some of you try to do every single thing you can in the church. Do you know that when you overstep your bounds and you take on too many responsibilities, you might be removing an opportunity of ministry for somebody else. Do the things that you've been called to do. Be who God's created you to be. Make yourself open to who he's shaping you to become. Live there, serve there, work hard. Go to bed tired at night, knowing that you've served your Heavenly Father well today. We're going to sing a closing song. Uh, simply says, uh, Lord, I give you my heart. It's a, it's a song of commitment. It's a song of surrender. And that's what's needed. As we've gone through this whole journey of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it takes a commitment to do that, and it takes us going hands off and saying, God, whatever you want to do, however you want to use this life, it's yours. So commit to seeking out the ways that he's gifted you. Surrender those gifts to